We're back again, thinking about it. And uh, as we said last week, Dave, Barker, and I uh, are thinking about the the business of preaching, the experience of preaching. Uh, Dave, you've, you've been preaching uh, in various uh, ways in school and in different churches. Uh, you're a guest speaker, which is a different experience altogether than preaching to your own congregation. And um, we want to talk for 15 minutes about the, the business of preaching. And it comes out of a an article from Faith Today on Preaching Now. It's written by a guy, um, Mark um, Buchanan, who stepped away from a pulpit ministry, reflected on it. He's teaching homiletics at Ambrose University, and so he's he's thinking about his career as a preacher, and he's got some um, poignant things to say. Uh, I'm not sure I, I agree with all of them because they're convicting me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I might have to keep thinking about it, but... Um, One of the things that he says is that uh, his sermons, which he would say 35, 40, 45 minutes, were too long. That sermons shouldn't be that long. Um, Whatever you're saying in 45 minutes, you can say it mercifully in a lot less time. So then do it. Uh, Are we, what do you think about that? Well, um, you know, he, and he goes to TED Talks, right? Yeah. And he says uh, anything that needs to be said can be said in 18 minutes in a TED Talk. Um, and, and he's also driving it to the notion that our, the attention span of our audiences are not what they used to be. I think he points in that direction as well. Um, I, I'm not convinced. I mean, a TED Talk has its place. And um, it's very, very didactic, very straightforward, very... Um, very monolinear, okay? It's very targeted. Giving ourselves a little more room in, um, in preaching. Now, I would, I would also argue that most of us, even though I know you are an outstanding preacher, Bob, um, have a tough time holding our audiences for 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, I think maybe we're, we're pushing, the, pushing the limits on that. But I think you know, preaching 30, 35 minutes, it allows us to illustrate, um, allows us to be maybe a bit more creative, mm-hmm. but I also think it allows us to teach uh, with a little bit more depth um, and, and go a little bit more deeply into, inevitably, you have some kind of proposition, you have some kind of major thesis or some kind of main point that you're after, but it allows you then to, to push down into a little bit more of maybe the minutia of the text and actually work at that a little bit. TED Talks are very different. You're, you're not dealing with the text. You're not trying to pull out the nuance of what Paul or Isaiah or, or David said. And so to think that we can do that effectively week after week at 15 to 18 minutes, I think is probably unreasonable in the kind of preaching we're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. I think we would define ourselves as expository preachers, right? Yeah. And there is a whole system out there of called homily, right? And you and I have been in churches where it's a homily. And yeah, it is a 18, maybe a 20-minute, almost a meditation. But we see ourselves in the way that we handle our preaching as more didactic and expository. And so I think we need a little bit more time than 18 minutes to 
to bring some of those nuances out. Okay, do we need to think of the, the sermon that way? Um, I, I, I think there might be some who would say, I get that elsewhere. I read, um, I listen to podcasts, I go deep on my own. Uh, but when I come to church, I want music that lifts me up. I want uh, a sermon, doesn't need to be deep, but it, it needs to just bless me, give me something to think about, just a little bread from the table falling down for the dogs, that kind of thing. Um, so is it fair to say that in the gathering of God's people, we're not really catechizing, but we are providing a spiritual experience, just a little taste, an encouragement to, to kind of meet the day? Or is it more than that? Wow. Should it be more than that? Well, I, <laughs> I hear Paul preach the word be instant and in season, out, out of season. And somehow I don't sense that preach the word was uh, a quiet meditation to help people feel good. It seems to me that that has to do with taking the sacred scriptures and working hard at bringing that ancient text, mm-hmm. first century New Testament, multiple centuries Old Testament, mm-hmm into our day and time that would instruct and guide and help individuals in the church as a communal whole be the people of God and represent the kingdom of God well in light of the truth of sacred scriptures. The other thing that strikes me when you say something like that is that the qualification of an elder that made them distinct from a deacon was that they were to be able to teach Okay, Um, seems to me that when you start looking at what an elder was in the church and in Paul's teachings on elders in both in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and that kind of thing, um, I think there is a significant responsibility to be the... Okay, I know I'm maybe changing metaphors a little bit, but to be the rabbi... Mm-hmm. And you and I know that mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go to all kinds of preachers on the internet. You can go to all kinds of books. You can go all kinds of things. But we have a responsibility in light of what we understand scriptures are saying to teach our people and to guide our people in the truth of the word of God. And it seems to me that that is best done through some kind of expository preaching. Right. It doesn't have to be always three points in a sermon. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be propositional. I think we can use um, storytelling. I think we can do other kinds of ways of doing it, but it has to be rooted in the authority of Scripture and helping the community yeah. of faith understand what it is to be people of the kingdom of God in light of what Scripture is teaching. So what do you think when Peter says, sometimes Paul is hard to understand? Was, was that to suggest that Paul really should cut back a little bit, it's his problem or it's our problem, or is it just something that you deal with? I think... <laughs> and if someone th- said, uh, Dave, Dave's hard to understand, is, are you in good company then? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> They've probably said it of you too, my friend. <laughs> I think we are in good company. I, you know, I, I don't get that uh, Peter was dissing Paul. He was just making an observation. And yeah, I think sometimes when we, we shoot things over people's heads, I, 
I use <laughs> IMTs endlessly for using my theological language. I'll never forget mm -hmm. when I was, when I finished my, my role at, as pastor at, at Stony Creek Baptist, at Yule Central Baptist, they had this, basically they had a roast. And uh, one of the people there <laughs> composed a song. Mm. And it had every long theological word I have used over the last 10 years. It that was, they remembered. And it was hilarious. Theocentricity. Yeah. That one came through. Eschatological. Eschaton, uh -huh. right? Yeah, yeah. And oh, they just had a huge howl over that. And yeah, okay. But you know what? It was interesting. After... You're, you're a pastor in a congregation. You're there for years. They get used to you, your personality, the language you use. And you might get razzed a bit on using a, a big word like theocentricity. Well, then you turn around and say, okay, sorry, last week I used this big word. What it really means is we need to center yeah. God in our lives. But they right? know it. And they, yeah. we, we do need a theological vocabulary. That's how we sure learn. We Absolutely. And These sometimes words mean something. It's, it's, sometimes that's hard to understand, but it's not impossible, right? We don't want uh, a... Uh, a culture where people say, I don't have to think in this guy's sermons. But sometimes you have to stay wide awake and track with what's being said because it's a little deeper, right? So I don't think we should say, I don't, I, I'm going to have a 17-minute TED Talk because I don't want my people to think too hard. I think we've got to accept the fact that our people need to have ears that are open, hearts that are eager to hear, and that they think painfully sometimes through the sermon. They can't sleep, maybe take notes. And I, one of the things that I think has really been helpful in the last little while is our move towards small groups and sermon-based discussion mm -hmm. in small groups. And this is where you tra training of your leaders, uh, the pastor in his sermon, uh, you know, they put together some study questions mm -hmm. um, and you sit with your, your leaders to help them through the, some of the stuff I think that's a wonderful way to take what the pastor said. And maybe some of the things where maybe there were some things that shot over their heads or, or what it does, it fosters people's response. And mm -hmm. there may be some challenge to yeah. it. And that's good. Mm -hmm. There may be some pushback in those small groups to say, you know what? Pastor Bob said this and applied it in this kind of way. You know what? I'm not sure I'm there. And... And that allows us to even go further yeah. into uh, the didactic side and the applicational, I like the word implicational side of, mm -hmm. of what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, Mark goes on to say, he's got some really good things to say. My, uh, sometimes my sermons were too didactic. I think he means by that you've got five things you need to know about how to be a Christian father or something. I think that right. can be didactic and trivial, but he says many of my sermons were too preachy. Yeah. Now, what is he, I mean, I, you read it. Uh, is there a, a tone? Is there a, a way of teaching from the pulpit, the guy who stands there and speaks? Should he sound different? Is it is it okay if you're declaring God's truth? You're not just explaining it. You're not just talking about it, but but you're preaching it. And can you do that without sounding preachy? And what is what is his problem here? Yeah, and and I think there's a couple things going on here. First of all, we have to realize that what we say is not in, is not inspired. 
you and I are working hard at making the inspired text come alive mm-hmm. and, and significant. So even though we are using a Bible as our source, we, in what we say about it, is not God-breathed. Hopefully it's rooted in a God-breathed text. And as a result, therefore, we have a right to declare... We have a responsibility, not so much a right, but a responsibility to declare the authority that's found in the text itself. And in doing so, yeah, I think there is a tone of voice that we need to use. However, there's another, I think there's another really important thing that we as preachers need to learn. And it's the use of pronouns. Mm -hmm. Um, Very often I hear preachers and, and they preach and they use, regularly use the pronoun you. So what do you need to do about this? What, how is this impacting you? How, what is your response? And what it does with that pronoun you, it sets us aside and apart yeah. from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, we were all guilty of this. I certainly was. But I have worked really, really hard in recent years to use the pronoun we and us. So in light of what, what Paul has said here or David or Isaiah or whoever, how do we need to respond to this? What is God saying to us as his people? What is he saying to you and me? And, and I think when we include ourselves, now, frankly, that impact on you and me has probably already been made and should have already been made in the study. Mm-hmm. And we're coming to the people overflowing with what has impacted our own mm-hmm. lives. So it is kind of a... So okay, say that. Uh, yeah. But I think at the same time, I think we can be less preachy when the congregation hears us say that this text is speaking to all so of us. So there's the humility in it, but yeah. there's still an urgency, right? Oh, yeah. You're not just saying, hey, I got some good ideas for you that come from the Bible. Think about this. No, if it's authoritative, you've got that sense of urgency. This is a priority. We all need yes. to do this. It's a matter of life and death kind right. of thing. I agree. And and, I, but I think, I think we can soften it by including ourselves in the implication of what right. this text is all about. Like I'm preaching to myself just as much. And you know, I've even said to people, even when I've been preaching, you know, I've studied this for a number of hours here this week. And you know what? It, it brought me to my knees. And it has already impacted me in a powerful way. And I trust that as I speak to you today, that it is out of the overflow of how this has impacted my life, that it'll impact you and even me again as we work through this text with all its power, all its grace, all the things that are found there. You know, you're getting preachy. (laughs) (laughs) He just had a triplet. (laughs) Well, okay, that's a good place to end. I think that's what we aim for, so that uh, we, um, with all the saints, are are pondering the the depth and the breadth of the love of God. And you can't do that um, in a sterile environment. It affects all of us, and I think that's so right. But we are out of time, Dave. This is only a 15-minute thing. (laughs) Maybe it should be longer, but a little less than a TED Talk. But uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, God bless you as you continue your work at the seminary, where on a regular basis uh, you're sustaining uh, minds for 45 minutes at a time, four shots at a night or something. (laughs) So it can be done. So until then, thanks for thinking about preaching with us. See you next week. Thank you.
Thank you.